Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. My way. I guess that's the nothing personal double word of the day. It's the phrase of the day, my way. As in Frank Sinatra. As in regrets. Do you know that song? Coca's never heard of that song. Frank Sinatra was a very famous singer back in the day. Regrets. I've had a few. But then again, too few to mention. Regrets. Regrets a weird thing, right? I don't want to talk about regrets. I want to talk about my way. I want to talk about doing things my way. What's better than doing things my way? I don't mean you doing things my way. I mean me doing things my way. You doing things your way. If you're going to lose, don't you want to lose doing it your way? And if you're going to win, don't you want to win doing it any way possible? That's the difference that I never understood people saying, no, no, I'm doing it my way. But wait a minute. The other way is easier and will lead to better results. No, no, I'm doing it my way. If you lose doing it your way, is that better than winning it, doing it someone else's way? Maybe if you have to give credit to someone else. Maybe that's why people do it their way, even they, though they know their way is either wrong, will take longer, or will not lead to the best possible result. But they can take full credit for it. Hey, I know we suck, but we did it my way. We didn't win. We didn't make money, but hey, we did the sales my way. Oh, I know we can only manufacture 10,000 units instead of 10 million, but we're doing it by hand my way. This is in my mind for myriad reasons this morning as I think about my career and I think about the team that I was a part of for so many years. I think about things that I did, that I did my way, thinking that they were the right way and what it would take to actually change my way to adopt another way, to adopt your way and make it my way. That's a real talent of a CEO or a president. If I know my way is not working, I'm going to take your way, make it my way. And if that works, I'm going to say it was my way while giving you the credit. I was always okay with giving other people credit for getting things done because as a consequentialist, which you've heard that I am, I just want to win and I just want to make money. So therefore, I'm perfectly okay with any way. Because my way can change. So the point of the Frank Sinatra song is that he did everything his way and he didn't regret any of it. And I got to thinking about Frank Sinatra because our old friend Jerry Jones is back. Jerry Jones is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones is the GM 
of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the same Jerry Jones. He does both. He owns the team and he runs the football side. And I have told you in the past that I have great respect for an owner who wants to act like a GM, but then calls himself a GM. You're the owner. You can do whatever you want. You can be the GM without saying you're the GM, but if you're going to be the GM, why not just say you're the GM and then you're the GM? What's the big deal? Jerry Jones has won multiple Super Bowls, but it's been a very long time of mediocrity. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive he hasn't won much in the 2000s. I think it's been years, decades, and he has owned the team. He has increased the value of the team. He built AT&T Stadium, state-of-the-art. His team is worth multiple billions of dollars, and it was bought for hundreds of millions of dollars. He's just, he's done it right off the field. On the field has been a totally different story. And when a season is going to start and training camp is about to start in football here in the coming weeks, and a new season is going to start, and Jerry Jones takes the opportunity to meet the media. And I want to give you an insight into what happens when Jerry Jones meets the media and the preparation that goes into it and the sort of hand-holding that happens and the toe-crossing that happens when you work in PR for the Cowboys because you know that whenever Jerry Jones meets the media, you are in danger of hitting the third rail, that you are in danger of him saying something that he shouldn't say, that he didn't want to say, or maybe he wanted to say, but he still shouldn't say. Maybe he didn't want to say it, but he did say it, but thought he didn't say it. That's always a special one when people do that. I didn't say that. Do you want me to play back the videotape? You definitely said that. I didn't mean to say that. That's totally different. You may not have meant to say it, but you said it anyway. And in this world, if you say something and you didn't mean it, you can't then go back and say, I didn't mean it because people won't believe you. You have to not say it in the first place. It's a good lesson, actually, to teach your kids. Always say what you mean and mean what you say. Because if you say what you don't mean, people will misunderstand and think that you mean what you say. They'll take for granted that that is your position. And then they will act according to what you said, assuming that what you meant. And then they will do something that they shouldn't do under cover of, isn't that what you meant me to do? Because that's what you said. You got that, Coca? Jerry Jones met the media and he did something I've not seen him do. I was going to reenact it. I think I'm going to reenact it. It's pretty good. So Jerry Jones knows he's, he's obviously self-aware enough to know that he is known as in the top five meddling owners, but he also knows he is a, in the top five of ineffective GMs. He's also very aware that if he were just the owner, not the GM, he would have fired the GM for ineffective assistance of Super Bowl winning teams. But as an owner, he's afraid to fire his GM because he's self-aware enough to know that as the owner, he's still going to be the GM even if he fires the old GM, which happens to be him. So why go through the problem? Why hire somebody? He may be meddling, but he's not stupid. He's not going to hire someone to be a GM, call him GM, and then still be the GM. That doesn't make much sense. So you may not remember this, but there was a survivor player named Jimmy Johnson. 
Jimmy Johnson is the former coach of the Miami Hurricanes, very successful. Former coach of the Dallas Cowboys, very successful. Multiple Super Bowls, back-to-back Super Bowls. I don't remember when. I'm going to say 92, 93, but it could be any time. And uh, Jerry Jones hired Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson comes in, and they win. Now, as I recall, and I, again, I'm having a senior frogs moment. I should say a senior frogs moment. I believe Jimmy Jones replaced Tom Landry, who was the fedora wearing icon with the Dallas Cowboys, who was summarily put aside when Jerry Jones bought the team and he moved Jimmy Johnson in and Tom Landry disappeared. And Tom Landry was the Dallas Cowboys with his suit and his fedora and just everything great about him and his winning football with Roger Staub back in Tony Dorsett and Drew Pearson and yada, yada. I think Randy White was a defensive player for those Cowboys. Anyway, Tom Landry's gone. Jimmy Johnson comes and Jerry Jones ignores Tom Landry, gets a whole heap of crap over it. But Jimmy Johnson ends up winning Super Bowls. But then Jerry Jones summarily dismissed Jimmy Johnson. And the reason why he got rid of Jimmy Johnson and brought in Barry Switzer, who was a college coach also, who ended up winning a Super Bowl also back in 1995, which I think was the last time they ever won anything, which is now, holy crap, that's 26 years ago. So Jerry Jones was upset back then because of ego. You may not remember this. Sorry, Coca. I just kicked the camera. Did, did you see me do that? I'm going to try to move it in the middle of a show, which is not very smart, but I just did. I don't know if I just screwed it up. I just had a, um, have you ever had an involuntary kick reflex where you're, you're tapping your feet? What I do, I'm in a jacket. If you're not watching this on Nothing Personal with, you, with David Sampson YouTube channel, which I wish you would and subscribe. But if you're just, not just, if you are listening, and I appreciate that you are listening and following and all the things you're doing. I wear a blazer and a shirt when I'm at a home studio. When I'm on the road with Nothing Personal, I tend to wear a Nothing Personal sweatshirt, which is going to be available for purchase as soon as CBS gets around to it. Hold your breath, folks. So I wear shorts and I wear socks. The reason I wear socks is that during a show, I have adrenaline and my feet sweat. And when my feet sweat, I don't like that feeling they get sticky. So therefore I wear socks. The problem is the socks I wear, which are running socks, they are slippery. And so what I do with my feet is there's no carpet below my um, shades. Uh, um, No, below, below the desk. And so my feet are sliding on the floor below the desk, which has the camera and the computer and the soundboard and the microphone, et cetera, and the cords. And, and it has a hanky in case I start sweating. And it has my reading glasses in case I have to read something. And it has water without a label because Coca and CBS can't get a water sponsor. So there's no way I'm going to give any sort of attention to Poland Spring. So my feet slip on the floor sometimes because I'm moving them back and forth. And what just happened, Coca, is as I was saying something and I was emphasizing it, I sort of leaned back and my feet came out from under me and I kicked the ring light, which has the camera. That's exactly what just took place. In case you were just curious, I wanted to tell you. Okay, getting back to Jerry Jones. So Jimmy Johnson 
I totally remember where we were, Coco, because it's such an interesting story to me. Jimmy Johnson became very well loved in Dallas for winning the two Super Bowls. And Jimmy Johnson does not have a small ego by any stretch. And Jimmy Johnson was becoming the story. He was becoming the star. And Jerry Jones back in those days, and remember, this is now 30 years ago when he was in his prime of, hey, I'm Jerry Jones and you're not. Hey, I'm the owner and you're not. Hey, I want the attention, not you. So he got rid of Jimmy Johnson. Well, just yesterday while meeting the media, for whatever reason, he said (laughs) he got choked up. He actually started choking back sort of tears and got emotional. And he was talking about Jimmy Johnson and his time with the Cowboys and the regret that he had. He said, I think about those great times and Jimmy's a great coach. Ridiculous. My role here was my job was to keep it together. It was my job. And I should have had deference to something that was working good. Working well, by the way. Those are the things that come to my mind. We had a great run of it. He's a great coach. And I'm proud to have him as a friend. I'm proud to have had the times that we had. He couldn't come out and say exactly what he was thinking. But what he was saying is that the lack of winning and the end of the relationship with Jimmy Johnson started me on a path toward failure that I've not been able to shake. But instead of blaming Jimmy Johnson, which he didn't want to blame, he decided to blame himself. But then he doubled down on blaming himself when In 1995, when they won their last Super Bowl, he made a deal with God saying, just give me this win. And if you do, I will never ask you for another Super Bowl win again. You don't screw with God in that way, right? Because the reason, and he didn't say this yesterday because it would make him look so petty, it would be beyond comprehension. The reason why he wanted to win the Super Bowl with Switzer is he needed to show that he could win without Johnson. So he wins without Johnson and then he never wins again because it turns out that George Burns was actually listening, that he and Morgan Freeman got together and they said, we've got an idea for Jerry Jones. We are going to give him all the money in the world, all of the planes and yachts, but we are not going to give him the one thing that he would trade it all for. He wouldn't trade all of it, but he'd trade most all of it for. We are not going to give him another Super Bowl victory. So Jerry Jones then said yesterday, I would do anything known to man to get to a Super Bowl, and that's a fact. He said I would do anything known to man, and he couldn't say I'd do anything known to God. Because God is the reason, because he swore to God. You know how people do that? Coca, don't ever do that. I will never do that. I swear to God, if you get me out of this, I will never ask for anything again. If you get me out of this, I promise that I will always be a good person to be charitable and never have a bad day and never gossip, never do lush and horror, never say bad things about anybody. I will do the right thing at all times. Just get me out of this situation so I don't get eaten by a bear or I don't get killed in a weird plane crash or whatever is going on. You make this deal with God 
and then it wears off and you go back to doing exactly what you were doing. But what you don't realize is you made a deal. A deal's a deal. Jerry Jones made a deal. Guess what, Jerry? Your team is not going to win a Super Bowl again. You made the deal. There's different ways Jerry could have expressed his desire to win a Super Bowl without Jimmy Johnson, right? He didn't have to tell God that he doesn't want to win again. He could have just said, listen, hey, God, help me prove to Jimmy Johnson that I can do without him. Help me prove to Jimmy Johnson that his ego is the reason why we got divorced, not because of my stupidity and my desire to run the entire show and be the story. Because then if you win, great. If you don't win, fine, you can keep going. But he didn't do it. But expressing yourself clearly is what matters. You have to express confidence. You have to express you. Express is all new and all about you with a Frex mitt. Stop it, Coca. I had the perfect transition and I fumbled my words. Ugh. 80. Just wipe it clean, Coca. 80. 70. 69. Express confidence. Express you. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super duper comfy styles. You need new pants because you're eating a lot of corn on the cob or a lot of bagels with schmears or a little bit too much pizza. But you want to complete your summer night look and you don't want a muffin top? Express has chinos, joggers, and a four-way hyper-stretch jeans. Side note, cut. Why didn't anyone get back to me and tell me how jeans could be four-way Hyper stretch. What are the four ways? At David P. Sampson. Come on, Express. I forget the box of clothes or the gift cards that I thought you were giving to Coca because he's got like six weddings in the next eight weeks because that's the age he is and that's what's happening. Forget that, even though that should be what's coming because we're giving you a lot of love because we love Express and we want to wear Express. We want to not just wear chinos and joggers. We want to wear the four-way hyper stretch jeans. It's the stretchiest jeans yet. Trust me, you wear those, you're never going back to stiff when you can have stretchy. Be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and also at E-X-P-R-E-S-S-D-O-T-C-O-M. That number again, express.com. Remember the TV commercials back in the day where they would sell things and you'd buy them off the TV and they'd give you the number. It's 1-800-427-KITS. That number again, 1-800-427-KITS. And they put in parentheses what the numbers are in case you had a rotary phone that didn't have the ABC and the CDE and the, or the what DEF and the GHI. So they'd give it to you and you'd have to call because operators are standing by. Do you know that I would give I was going to say, that's a big expression. I'd give my left testicle for that. I wouldn't do that. But there are people who I would give anything just to get an operator. I can never find anyone live anymore. It's all automated. Tell me what your problem is. I don't understand. Please tell me, is it a problem with your Wi-Fi, your cable? Are you not getting a channel, your payment? Oh, used to always get you to an operator. There's nobody live. 
operators are standing by. This is Jeopardy. Who are four people who have never been in my kitchen? I want to talk about Tokyo. And I want you to keep in mind that I love Tokyo. It is my either first or second favorite city behind Paris or with Paris, non-US city. I appreciate their culture. I appreciate their everything about Tokyo, actually. Everything about the Japanese people. I just have great respect for them. I've been having a hard time with these Olympics. And uh, obviously, before you at me at David P. Samson, I'm not talking about every single person. I'm not saying there's no serial killers or there's no immoral people or there's no sort of people I wouldn't appreciate or respect. I'm saying in general, as a country, anytime you don't have to shake someone's hand and it's bowing, that's a country I want to be in. Anytime that you don't need a fork, that's the country I want to be in. Anytime where there's great history with emperors, I just, I want to, I want to learn it. I want to be a part of it. So Tokyo is having the Olympics. The opening ceremonies are tomorrow night. Obviously, I am moronic because I thought that opening ceremonies mean the Olympics are starting because you have opening ceremonies, you light the torch, and then you start the games. Well, it turns out the Olympics have already started. Is everyone aware of that? Do you realize that there have been Olympic softball games and there have been Olympic women's national team soccer games? The women lost 3 nothing already. I think it's just round robin play so far, so they're still in position to, to get a gold medal. But the fanfare surrounding the Olympics has been all about COVID and all about whether or not the games would go on, whether or not they should go on. There is a major COVID emergency going on in Tokyo. There are no fans, but the International Olympic Committee, which is in charge of whether or not the Olympics go on, the reason why the Olympics are going on has nothing to do with fans. It has nothing to do with COVID. You can say it with me. It has to do with money. The broadcast deal what are the Olympics on? The National Broadcasting Company? Coca? Do you have any idea? I think they're on NBC, but I don't know. The amount of money they pay is unconscionable. So I hope you're ready to wake up at 4 a.m. to watch live events or else you're watching everything on tape, which makes me crazy. Why would I want to watch things on tape in the old days? I'd be perfectly fine watching things on tape because there'd be no way to get the result. In the new days, I can get the result as it's happening. Therefore, why would I want to watch it on tape delay? Tape delay was way more impactful when you had no idea who won the game. The NBA finals were on at 11.30 p.m. in the 1980s. Coca, you can check this, but I guarantee you, there was a time when the NBA finals were on tape delay. That's the position the NBA was in before Bird and Magic joined the league. I, I'm almost positive because I remember that I couldn't stay up that late to watch them. So, and, but we didn't know who won the game. So you were watching it live if you were staying up that late to watch it because you had no way of knowing who won. So cut to the Olympics started, but tomorrow's the open ceremonies. There is a Miami Marlin who actually is holding the flag for the U.S. Um, oh, come on, Coke. I read it yesterday. Could it be Eddie Alvarez? I don't think so. But Eddie Alvarez was a player for the Marlins and, uh, he is going to hold the flag. 1986 was the last tape delay year. 
Bird and Magic were in the league, by the way, in 1986. They, those were some of the great Celtics-Lakers uh, matchups. Isn't that amazing if you think about it? What Michael Jordan did for the NBA. Not LeBron, Michael Jordan. It's all about Michael. Bird and Magic started it. So it is Eddie Alvarez, Coca. He is the one that is, I'm on fire today, which is great because it's the end of the week. Usually by Friday, I am a complete sort of mental mess. So the Olympics have started. The opening der- uh, ceremonies have started. What, what? It's what? Oh, sorry. Just wipe that. Usually by Friday, I'm a mental mess, which is good because I'm on fire today because today's Thursday. So therefore, I am sharp and on the program. So the Olympics, there was a question as to whether or not they'd go on. But of course, they're going to go on because, as you know, the broadcast money. There was still a thought CBS Sports HQ had me at the ready. Get ready to come on the air if the Olympics are canceled at the last minute. And I said, yeah, I'm right on that. Let me take another puff. Give me a break. Of course, they're not going to be canceled. I don't care if everyone has COVID. The show will go on because if you perform your side of the contract as the IOC and you have Olympic style events, even if it's done by twiddle D and twiddle dumb, you do not get a refund or have to refund your broadcast deal. So yeah, you miss ticket revenue, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the athletes are playing in front of nobody. The NBA did it. MLB sort of did it. Hockey did it. It's doable. But the Olympics have been overshadowed, not just by COVID, but by some of the other things going on that have caught my attention and made me slightly unhappy. Let's start. Let's start, if you don't mind, with the breaking news from last night that Mr. Kobayashi, and I don't mean from the usual suspects played by Pete Postlewhite, I'm talking about the creative director of the Olympics opening ceremony. We hired in 2012, Gloria Stefan's husband, whose name is Emilio Estefan, who in his own right is an unbelievably accomplished producer. We hired him to create and produce and run the opening ceremonies to Marlins Park, including all of the sort of um, way the players got introduced, the way that Muhammad Ali got introduced. And I don't regret a single part of it, even though it did not come off the way I wanted it to. Emilio Estefan is brilliant in his own right. So there are people who that's what they do, among other things, is they're hired on a one-off basis. They get tremendous amounts of money and they create these ceremonies. And the opening of the Olympics used to be this amazingly cool ceremony where you've got every person from every country, they're walking through, they do it in the big Olympic stadium where the, uh, the track and field events are held, among other things. And you get to see the the you see performances by entertainers and then the torch, which has been on a run through a country or through the world, ends up in the place where the Olympics are. You light the torch, boom, we're ready to go. And you feel very patriotic. You are rooting very hard for your home country. Am I the only one who ever felt badly for the countries in the opening ceremonies who had like three people when the U.S. would come by with 300 And the Russians would come by with 300 and the Germans with 300. And then you get a little country like with three people and you were thinking, wow, like they're not going to win the medal count. So the creator of the opening day ceremony in Tokyo, Mr. Kobayashi, got fired 
the day before the opening ceremony, just yesterday. And he got fired because it turns out that the creator of the opening ceremony is part of a comedy duo in Japan. And many, many years ago, in a comedy routine, he made fun of the Holocaust. Got that? Many years ago, it was discovered, it was leaked that he had made fun of the Holocaust. So the head of the Olympics had no choice but to dismiss him. Now, of course, what he created is still going to happen. That will still be the opening ceremonies. But of course, the Japanese people had no choice. You do not make fun of the Holocaust. No one should make fun of the Holocaust or be a Holocaust denier or any of the things that people, some people do these days. But the reality is that he was let go. And to me, that was just the final straw of what has become a total disaster of an Olympics. And how this ends is there's going to be medals given out, but the level of I don't care around the world is quite significant. And the only things that are going to get attention are these one-off stories. So for example, sponsors have come out and said, we are not going to participate in the Olympics. They actually came out like Toyota and various other sponsors who spent tremendous amounts of money, both doing in stadium signage, sort of around the Olympic venue, around the Olympic village, but also on TV. And they don't want to be associated with the Tokyo Olympics because their view is it's not something our brand should be associated with. So sponsors, one after the other, are saying they're going to not participate, but still it's not going to be enough to cancel the Olympics or put them in jeopardy. It just won't be. It's just a huge loss for the IOC. And that is a problem for companies and countries who are going to participate going forward. I think Coca, Australia, a place in Australia named Brisbane, 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 just bid for as the only bidder and were granted the Olympics in 2032. Is there any chance that I'm right about that? But if I am, because I'm hot and you don't have multiple countries bidding to host the Olympics, that is going to be the end of the Olympics. Because in order to host an Olympics, you have to be willing to put so much of your own country's money into the infrastructure to build the facilities. We're talking billions and billions of dollars. And the purpose for that investment as a country is to bring a claim and attention and positive attention to it. Tokyo is getting absolutely hammered over this Olympics, and it's been delayed by a year because of COVID, and now they're losing sponsorship money left and right. Oi, what about Poland? How's Poland doing? Do you know that Poland, when, when you do something and you are a, uh, I want to set this up exactly properly for you. When you are in charge of an event, and let's pretend that you are running a lunch where you are renting out a restaurant. What is the first question that you ask the restaurant that you are renting out? First question, how much is it? Yes, that's the first question. Second question, 
How many people does it hold? Those are the number one and number two questions. How much? How many? There are rules that have to do with fire code, that have to do with occupancy, and that and venue will tell you, you can have 40 people, you can have 100 people, you can have 500 people. When you are putting together a sports team, what are the two most important questions that you need answered before you can put together a baseball team? Tell me, number one, how much money do I have to spend? How much? Number two, how many people can I have on the team? If I can have 50 people, or if I can only have five people, that's going to make a difference. Would you agree? The Polish swim team forgot to ask one of those two questions. They brought 23 people to the Olympics, having all made the Polish swim team. And guess what? The maximum number of people you can have on a team is 17. They had to send six people home from Tokyo because they had too many people on their team. Is that possible? Are you telling me that the Polish Swimming Federation did not know the number of swimmers that can be on a team, number one? Number two, are you telling me that the Polish swimmers themselves didn't know the number of people allowed on a team? Can you imagine in a baseball game? Let's talk about basketball because basketball just ended. Can you imagine if nine people walk on the court for the jump ball, for the opening jump ball? Nine guys walk on the court. What, what do you mean? What's wrong with this? Um, you can only have five. What are you talking about? I got nine guys here. Nine guys are in my rotation. I want them all on the court. And then the other teams say, well, the rule is five. Do you think there's a basketball player that doesn't know that there's five people on the court at the same time? Or that a baseball player doesn't know that there's eight people on the field at the same time? Yes, I'm not counting the catcher. Because as was pointed out by a listener of Nothing Personal, the catcher is actually not in the field of play. He's behind the plate. The field of play goes from home plate out. There are only eight fielders. And I thought you could put nine fielders in the outfield. It turns out you can only put eight fielders in the outfield. Anyway. So the swim team members in Poland did not know there are only 17 people allowed. Okay. Does that pass the smell test to you? Because sure as heck doesn't pass it to me. And I now wait for the number one problem that's going on in Tokyo. And I'm going to end my Tokyo rant with this. Because of COVID, the athletes are not allowed to bring any guests, no family, no friends, no support, no group, no helpers, nobody. And that sounds unreasonable, doesn't it? Because you don't want to be lonely. You want to be with people who make you laugh and people who speak your language, who will make you comfortable when you're far away from home. I get it. Believe me, there's nothing as lonely as being alone in a foreign country where you don't speak the language and you can't communicate. Do you know that the Olympics and the Paralympics, which are both happening, that there is a deaf, blind Paralympian who was not allowed to bring her aid to Tokyo. She's deaf and blind, 
And she was told that she'll have to figure out how to get by without her escort. And she was forced to quit the team. I'm going to leave it right there. A Paralympian was forced to quit the team because she was not allowed to bring someone to help her. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that I was told to watch and it was outstanding. And then we're going to talk about a player who is claiming to retire. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Samson. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet. Thank you for downloading, rating, reviewing, following, subscribing. You are helping us to new records every month and we will keep going. We will keep going. I promise. We watch a movie every day. I watched a movie yesterday called Gunpowder Milkshake. Gunpowder Milkshake is a movie about women who are hit women, who are hired to kill people on behalf of bad guys. The women are carrying out the orders of the bad guys. Until such time as the bad guys order the women to be killed themselves. It is an old, old plot and storyline. The acting is just fine, but the movie is a must see. The beauty of Gunpowder Milkshake, the cinematography, the way it is filmed, the music, the fight scenes, the gore, it's as though these new directors have figured out a way to make violence beautiful and to make killing like a ballet. On a side note, that makes me insane because I can't stand guns or gun violence or killing because I don't want to die today. I am, however, drawn to this type of art because it's that good. The stars of the movie, Paul Giamatti is in it as a guest star, Angela Bassett's in it as, as a guest star, Carla uh, Gugino, Jugino, Gugino, Carla is in it. There is a plot that is far-fetched. The storyline is mediocre, but the movie is outstanding. Please watch it. Gumpowder Milkshake. You will not regret it, I promise. I really do promise you. Okay. I want to talk about the nothing personal pick of the day for a minute. And it's the second time this has happened where I've been concerned about the number of losses I've had in a row. I cannot believe the Blue Jays lost to the Red Sox. Uh, Robbie Ray was fine, not great. Guerrero had a home run. Springer had a home run. Hernandez had a home run. The Blue Jays, it was their last game in Buffalo, I think. And to me, it was a slam dunk, even though it wasn't. 
the Red Sox won that game and we're down to 95 and 81. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I'd rather be 25 games over and I'm only 14 over. I absolutely know why I kept picking the Suns, but I'm trying to pick games. You're a little bit in my head, unfortunately, telling me that I shouldn't pick favorites. It's hard enough to pick a winner without thinking who's the favorite, who's not, but that got into my head. Baseball has become very difficult to wager on, in my opinion, and to pick. And the reason it's become difficult is that the game to me is so different than what I remember. And I've only been out of the game four years. And the way that teams are playing, the lack of consistency is staggering. And when you pick when you pick games, consistency is what you want. I love Charlie Morton. He has been incredibly inconsistent. I think he is a great pickup for the Atlanta Braves. Before Ozuna and Acuna were done for the year for different reasons, very different reasons. It was my view that the Braves should win the division, if not the World Series. I, of course, am no longer picking them to win the World Series because there are too many good teams out there, and the Braves are not one of them. That said, while the Phillies may be in second place now, Coca, and Philly fans may be all excited that Joe Girardi has somehow figured out how to run a bullpen and that somehow the Phillies have figured out how to be better with a team with Bryce Harper on it, I'm taking Charlie Morton over the Phillies, but we are in the danger zone here. We are in the full Kenny Loggins top gun danger zone because if we get to 10 games over, and right now we're 14, but at 10 games over, we're taking a break. I don't think it's going to happen because I feel good about the Braves over the Phillies, but a word to the wise is sufficient. Know when to say when. 95 and 81. What do you do when a player threatens retirement? Do you let him retire? Do you care? I've had plenty of players who have disappeared in spring training or during the course of a season. They retire or they just choose to walk away from the game or they're unhappy with your team or your performance or they're unhappy with their playing time, whatever the case is, and they just disappear. There have been more and more instances recently of players who have been unhappy with their situation and have chosen to say they're going to retire or disappear, and then they don't. Yesterday, we got word that Yermin Mercedes is retiring. Do you remember that name? Yermin Mercedes, you know him for two reasons. Number one, he made the White Sox out of spring training, and he started the season, I believe, Coco, with eight straight hits, which was unheard of. He was eight for his first eight, and he was the story of baseball way back when the season started, back in April, which seems like an eternity ago. Yermin Mercedes is the player who swung on the 3-0 pitch and hit a grand slam in a blowout and got called out by his manager, Tony LaRussa. Do you remember that story from Nothing Personal where we couldn't believe what Tony LaRussa did calling out his own player publicly and in my opinion, losing his clubhouse? Meanwhile, the White Sox have continued to win and Mercedes who started off that hot ended up cooling off. And then that Yerman Mercedes is also the guy who got demoted to the minor leagues because he was not performing anymore. That's not why he got demoted. He got demoted because he was creating such a distraction and Jerry Reinsdorf chose Tony La Russa. 
while it is possible that Tony La Russa was losing his clubhouse by calling out his players publicly, somehow the winning has covered that. Shocking, just like I always tell you, winning covers all sorts of sins. But the decision was made very intelligently when you don't want to fire your manager when your team is playing well. You just get rid of the player. And La Russa did not want Mercedes around, so Mercedes was demoted. And Mercedes has been fine, mostly mediocre, but some hot streaks, decent, but has not been called back to the major leagues. He then posted on Instagram that he is retiring. He did a post that just said, it's over. He thanked God for giving him skill and he thanked the fans. He thanked members of the media and everybody else. But he said, I'm going to walk away from baseball for a while. It's over. And I got to thinking, what would I do if I were the president of the White Sox? And here's exactly what I would do. Bye-bye. He thinks I'm going to chase after him, call his agent, say, what's going on? Nope. You don't want to play baseball? See you later. We had a pitcher we drafted named Sean West. Big lefty, amazing pitcher. Could have been a superstar. Could have been a contender. Walked away from the game. I think he's in like a church choir now or something. He didn't walk away for that, but he just didn't want to play. You don't want to play because you were demoted. You don't want to play because your manager publicly called you out. You don't want to play because you're embarrassed that you swung 3-0 or you're not embarrassed or that you're in the big leagues when you shouldn't be or you're not in the big leagues when you should be. And your answer is to walk away. That is my definition of someone I don't want on my team. When you get demoted to the minor leagues, you take it like a man, like a person. You go down and you kick some serious ass, you perform, and you give your team no choice but to call you up. And if your team doesn't call you up because they don't like you, or your team doesn't call you up because of a personality clash you have with the manager, don't be a fan of that team. If the White Sox are not calling up Mercedes for the sole reason that LaRusso doesn't want him up and therefore Reinsdorf said you can't call him up, the White Sox will never win a thing. You want your best 25 players, no matter who they like or they don't like. If they don't like your manager, who cares? Play ball. You don't like your owner? Who cares? Play ball and win. You don't pick up your toys and leave the sandbox. I got to wait to see for you. Wait to see is when I say something's going to happen. If it does, it does, and I'll say it. If it doesn't, I'll revisit that too. Here's my wait to see. Your mean Mercedes is not retiring under any scenario. He will be back. And so will we tomorrow. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.